Well, good morning and welcome to Bentonville Community Worship. Whew, felt good to say that. I hadn't said that in about six months. It is wonderful to be gathered together with our community online. You know what really gets me excited is thinking about us gathering as live human beings one day on that piece of land on McCollum Boulevard as Fellowship Bentonville. That is an exciting thought. Well, I'm really looking forward to this morning singing to the King of Kings together, and we'll get to hear from God's Word and ask ourselves, how can I obey God's Word as it is spoken to me? And also, we'll get to hear from and see a number of our Bentonville staff. You'll get to hear uh, from Mark, who will teach today from Acts and encourage us to hear, uh, encourage us as a community that God wants to use as generous people to impact our community. You also get to hear from Seth as he leads our worship team of the three H's, Hunter, Haley, and Houston. And, um, and you also hear from Mark, Beth, and Hunter, who will be seeking to produce and release spiritual leaders in the context of our small groups at Fellowship Bentonville. Speaking of small groups, Maybe you have someone in your community group that you think, you know what, they might not realize that we have a Bentonville community worship service. Would you stop right now and text them? I'll, go ahead, I'll wait. I'm kidding, I can't see you. Or can I? You don't know. Kids, ask your parents if Abel can see you right now. And also make sure they send that text. Well, I'm here with Mark. And Mark, why, why are you here? Abel, I've been asking myself that question for decades. Um, but why I'm here right now is because last week our elders got together and uh, made an important decision for fellowship regarding our reopening. Uh, so before we continue on with the details of that, take a look at this video. Hello, fellowship family. The elders have determined that we will open our campuses to services on Labor Day weekend, September 4th through 6th. Since the middle of March, you have been incredibly patient, encouraging, generous, and understanding during this most difficult worldwide crisis. We know it isn't over, but as hospitalizations began to decline in Northwest Arkansas recently, the elders decided we could safely open our doors again with some restrictions in place. Remember, our buildings were closed, but you, the church, never skipped a beat in being the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus in our region. In a few moments, our congregational leaders will share plans and instructions for those who wish to attend services in the coming weeks. As good neighbors, we will cooperate with state and local officials and follow CDC guidelines for the protection of all. We know that some of you won't feel comfortable attending services yet, and that's okay. Others have underlying health issues that require staying home out of necessity. Well, rest assured, we are now capable of live streaming our services each week, and we will do our best to serve you well. Never forget, God is in control. Bless you all. That is exciting. Two weeks, uh, we'll be gathering back together live. And no doubt you've got some questions, which is fine. It's actually good because we're going to put some answers in your hands over the next two weeks. Actually, this week you'll be getting an email giving you some very specific details about what reopening looks like. 
You'll see information on the fellowship website under the fellowship news, so use that as well. Uh, but probably right now, there's two groups of people that kind of need to decide which, uh, which group they fall into. Number one would be, first of all, ask, what is your family comfortable with? What best fits the needs of your family? Uh, for you, you might decide that staying home and continuing to worship with us through live stream is the best path to take. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Uh, for those that are ready to come back live, we want to let you know we're ready. And we're ready with some of the restrictions or guidelines that Mickey talked about. And so you'll get more detail to come. But in general, just know that we will practice social distancing. There will be masks required. And we will not be having special services for kids and youth ministry at this point. Those things will happen uh, as we go to further phases. Again, more information's coming. For now, this is exciting. And we'll start with this. And so, Abel, would you pray for us in this phase of reopening, but even more, pray for our morning. Mm -hmm. I'd love to. Heavenly Father, you are good. We love you. We're grateful for all of your blessings. Lord, we do invite you uh, to be the center of this worship service, of this celebration. We pray that you'd put Jesus on our hearts, on our minds, on our lips. Uh, guide us as we sing. May our words be a prayer to you. And uh, Lord, we ask for this next phase of, of opening as a church body. And uh, we ask for wisdom, direction, and guidance, and we're grateful. We pray it in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Abel. Well, good morning, Fellowship Bentonville family. Hey, it is great to be worshiping with you today. The psalmist, he reminds us, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious in living rooms and on back porches, wherever you are. Praise our God, all you people. Let the sound of his praise be heard right there in your living room. It's important that we sing this morning. I know it can be awkward, but you've got to lift your voice because it's good, it's formative. It helps us to be formed into the image of Christ as we put the words of truth on our mouths and we sing them out loud. So I encourage you to sing this morning. Hey, uh, Houston is my buddy, he's right here. He's gonna be helping lead this morning. And he wrote a song a few months back um, that is a really special call to worship. I just fell in love with the song. Um, I'm grateful for it, grateful for you, Houston. Will you tell us a little bit about it and lead us? Yeah, um, so this song is called Come Hear the Name. Um, and it's meant to be just a redirection, a spiritual redirection back towards Jesus. So many times when we come to worship him, our mind is elsewhere. We feel distracted. We come with, with burdens or baggage. We come with, with hurt or confusion or doubt. And this song is an invitation to put those things aside and just sit at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. I hope this song blesses you this morning. comes from come hear the name of Jesus come hear the laughter of all who know come hear the name of Jesus the king of the nations the faithful and true and come hear the name of Jesus the giver of life he makes it all new 
hear the name of Jesus. Oh, come to the fountain that never runs dry. Come taste the grace of Jesus. And bring all your burdens, your pain and your pride. Come taste the grace of Jesus. The fullness of heaven poured out on earth. And come taste the grace of Jesus. This bread for your hunger and wine for your thirst. Come taste the grace of Jesus. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I love how Eugene Peterson puts it, these next couple of verses in his interpretation of the message. He says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. 
including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. Sing it with me. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living God. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory.
Lord God, we sing because there's a gospel that sets uh, loose our lips and our tongue because our heart is free, our mind is clear, because you have showed yourself to us. We believe that the strength of this gospel holds up our hope, and we believe that our hope is founded on the shoulders of a God who is strong and good and very much alive and at work. Heavenly Father, right now we're going to ask you to use your spirit to open your word, to turn around and and form our hearts into the image of Jesus. We're going to trust you to do what you say you do best, which is work according to your spirit's power. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, fellowship. I hope you're doing well. Hey, I want you to think back to a time uh, before, well, at least a time earlier in American life, maybe even an era that goes way back to a time that was much simpler. If you can, I want you to think back all the way to a time that's, that's before February. Yeah, I know. It's hard sometimes to think clearly uh, about a time that goes back before COVID because COVID has clouded so many, many things for us. And yet the truth is, probably back in January, February, you were making plans for the spring, the summer, and the fall. Some of those plans probably included things like graduation or weddings or vacations or family reunions. A lot of those things had to be modified or changed or maybe even postponed. Some of those plans were work-related or some of those plans were business plans that you were putting together. You wrote them and then you scrapped them. And then you rewrote them and then you re-scrapped them. Over and over again, you felt the tension that was happening uh, as the uh, COVID was causing things to just feel like they were blocking your goals. Well, would it encourage you to know that the God that we just sang of, he, he was using even those canceled plans, those blocked goals to even accomplish his sovereign purposes. See, he's He's doing that not just in our lives. He's always been doing that in his people's lives. This morning, we're going to be opening up our Clarity Series again. And we're looking at the church that uh, God chose to plant in a little town called Philippi. We pick up the series in the book of Acts, chapter 16. I want you to grab your Bibles and, and turn there with me. Look at Acts, chapter 16, verse 6. The text begins by saying, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and they went on to Troas. Folks, this is the definition of a blocked goal. Blocked goals bring frustration, at least they do for me. Paul had been clearly called by Jesus to be the apostle sent to the Gentiles, and his job was to take the Gentiles as far as he could to unreached people groups. This was his second missionary journey. He's trying to go deeper into Asia, and yet the text tells us there's someone blocking the goal. And that someone is the Holy Spirit of God. There's no removing this blockage. When God puts a stop to something, it's stopped. 
The sovereign, wise God was blocking this. So Paul was stuck in Troas. Troas sat on the border between Asia on one hand and, and Europe on the other. And Paul's desire multiple times was to take a right turn and head deeper into Asia, but the, the hand of God was holding him back. Can you feel Paul's frustration? In this holding pattern, though, the living God is still at work. Look at the next verse, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Macedonia is Greece, and Greece is in Europe. Paul had been trying to take that right turn to head into Asia, and, and God, he clearly directs him to take a left turn and, and head over to Europe, across uh, the Aegean Sea. See, Europe would be new ground for the gospel. There are no believers on the continent of Europe yet. And we'll look at what happens when Paul lands in Europe in just a minute, but Let's don't move off the two verses we just read, not yet anyway, because there's a small detail in there that, that makes a huge difference to the way we see life and ministry and, and, and real help. See, verse 9, Paul gets a vision from a man from Macedonia, and the text just says he's begging for help, but it doesn't say what kind of help he's begging for. And yet verse 10, Paul and Silas immediately conclude that God wants them to go and preach the gospel to them. The gospel is the most helpful help that anyone needs. Do you believe that? I mean, of all that our city needs, do you believe that at the very core, men and women, they long and need to know who God is and how they can have life in him? See, as as we launch Fellowship Bentonville, our city, it'll have a variety of needs in front of us. There will be physical needs, there'll be emotional needs, relational needs, there'll be financial needs, and we'll engage people at their real level of need. But at the heart of hearts, what people need most is, is for someone to conquer sin and death on their behalf. And there's only one who's done that, Jesus Christ. So the deepest need that every person has, the most helpful help that we as a church, Fellowship Bentonville can give, is to give our coworkers and our neighbors the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul knew that, and he jumped in. Look at verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea, and we sailed straight for Sermothake, and the next day on to Neapolis. And from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. We stayed there several days. So they land in Europe, and yet they quickly move through the port city, bypassing the small towns, and they head about 10 miles inland to the town of Philippi. Why did they beeline to Philippi? Well, the text tells us it's the leading city, and it's a Roman colony. In fact, if you look at the map there, you notice it's highlighted that Philippi serves almost as a mini Rome in the south of Greece. It's a strategic location. 
Philippi actually sat on the Ignatian Way, and the Ignatian Way was the major trade route that connected uh, east and west. Uh, Business and commerce and government had to pass through that way, which therefore meant it had to pass through Philippi. If it connected Europe and Asia, what does that tell us? Where was Paul trying to get to originally? Yeah, Asia. And God, he sees bigger. He's going to reach Asia and Europe through a little connecting city that became an economic and cultural hub. Folks, does that sound like a city that you and I know and love? That God would want to use Bentonville the same way he used Philippi to transform the lives of people who were transplanted in that community because of business or government. The Philippians actually enjoyed uh, Roman citizenship, uh, which gave them broader access to their region and their world. The folks in our town also live with broader access to their region and their world. Yeah, God is doing something big through a small, small spot on the globe. And I think he wants to do something as well in our small spot. Look at verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Lydia is the first Christian in Europe. Lydia is this businesswoman from Thyatira. Let's put it this way. Lydia is a supplier. She's a supplier maybe working for Thyatira Designs Incorporated. And she's there running the retail office in Philippi. And there, the text tells us she's a dealer. So let's go out on a limb here and say that she's probably more on the sales side of the business rather than brand management or analytics. But clearly, economic reasons have brought her from Thyatira, which is in Asia, to Philippi for the purpose of, well, of seeking a profit and increasing the economic fortune that's at her hands. She must be good at her job. Because later in the text, we're going to read that Lydia's house is large enough to actually become the hub and the home base for the house church in Philippi. See, Lydia comes to Philippi for a career move. But God used that job relocation to bring her to himself. Verse 13 tells us that Paul and, and Silas, they actually engage her on her turf. The text tells us they meet her at the riverside. Well, the reason she was at a riverside on that Sabbath day as a Jewish convert was because there was no synagogue in Philippi. So the Jewish population must have been so small in Philippi that they met by the river to gather together to to worship Yahweh. Paul and Silas meet at the riverside on their turf. The riverside is a place of work during the week. You would see laundry happening and, and commerce happening, and you would even probably see Lydia doing her trade of working her cloth. But on the Sabbath day, the riverside was a place of relationship. Prayer and conversation was happening. Paul engages at this place of work and this place of relationship. 
His disciples are used, Jesus' disciples are used to bring the gospel there. And that means this. For us, our neighborhoods, our place of work is the riverside that God wants to use us as faithful followers of him. Hey, think with me for just a second. In just a couple of years, we have the opportunity to see a small group in every neighborhood in Bentonville, in every apartment complex in Bentonville, that we can see a small group of believers gathered to welcome the Lydias of our city who are coming for work, but God's bringing them there for life. Those small groups will become a safe place to dialogue and and ask questions and be introduced to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But the text clearly tells us in verse 14 that salvation is a work of God, right? The text says the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. That tells us who the hero of the story is. It's Jesus. It's not Paul. It's not Silas. And for Fellowship Bentonville, Jesus is the hero of our story. It's not fellowship. No, we have the privilege of being faithful witnesses to point people to Jesus, but he will do that work of opening the hearts of men, women, and children and introducing them to himself. We just faithfully point to him. Just before the pandemic shut things down heavily, at least in our country in March, a TikTok video went viral in February. A little boy in India was born deaf and had cochlear implants. The doctor asked mom and dad if they wanted to see the reaction on this little boy's face as he turned on the, the device for the first time. And 10 million TikTok viewers saw what mom and dad saw. They saw pure joy as a little boy heard the voice of his mother for the very first time. Well, guess what? Paul and Silas got to see that kind of joy as Lydia heard for the first time the voice of her heavenly father as she believed in the gospel that was given. Look at verse 15. Lydia's response. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. You know, life change changes lives, doesn't it? And Lydia's conversion led to the changed hearts in other people. And a house church was born at this moment. And out of this very first small group came a a citywide movement. Folks, for us, we believe that story because we've lived that story. In 1984, Fellowship Bible Church was planted in one small group in Bentonville. Seven couples in a house. And here over 34 years later, or 36 years later, here we sit Multiple small groups, hundreds of small groups spread all throughout the region, and our lives have been touched and changed because of what started in a small beginning. We know that God is on the move in this kind of way throughout the city, throughout our region, throughout the world. And just so that the message won't go too long this morning, can I summarize verse 16 through 24? Lydia's small group keeps multiplying, and as a result, a slave girl who's 
possessed by a demon. Well, well, she's possessed by a demon and being used by her masters to self-tell fortunes for profit. The, the demon is cast out of her and, well, the prophets, they begin to sink. And the masters become panicky and then enraged. And so they seize Paul and Silas and they drag them before the magistrates and they bring these two men before the magistrates and say, these men are disturbing our whole city. A crowd forms and a mob uh, results and the magistrates orders them to be beaten. So their robes are stripped and rods are beaten on their backs and they're bruised and bloody and they're cast into prison. The story tells us that the gospel brings life, but the gospel also disrupts normal life. Folks, I love my city, but I live in a city that needs the disrupting life of the gospel. Normal life in Bentonville is good, but it is not godly, and it needs the eternal life that only Jesus Christ and his gospel can offer. See, the gospel is good news that disrupts normal life and at the same time brings eternal life. And sometimes it comes with harsh consequences to those who preach it. Paul and Silas and the persecution they experienced found that. But there's hope too, because verse 25 picks up Paul and Silas's response to their persecution. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Folks, this is not religious denial. No, Paul and Silas, they felt the pain and the bleeding and the bruising on their back. They understood the danger and the threat that was in front of them as the courts opened in the morning, but, but somehow that was... That was not all they saw. No, they saw the whole truth. They didn't just see half the truth, which was the pain of their persecution. They saw the whole truth, which is the good and sovereign God who is over that situation. And it gave them the hope of the gospel. Notice the response from this hope. Verse 26. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Listen, in 18 to 20 months, maybe this will be the first question that people ask as they visit a worship service in Bentonville. I don't know, imagine uh, Bill Freeze and Kelly Prude running Connections Ministry and Discover Ministry, and the first question they happen, are asked are, sirs, what must I do to be saved? But I got a hunch that other questions will come up first that we better be prepared to answer. Questions like, how, how can I plug my kids in? Where can I sign up for a small group? Well, what do I do if I have a special needs child and we need some help? And those questions, those life-on-life -life questions will be the way that we engage people to bring them to the deeper question of the heart, which wraps around, what must I do to be saved? See, I think people are hungry for how do I connect with God and know that I have peace and life in him. 
Look at verse 31 as Paul answers. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his family were baptized. And folks, this will be our focus as a church. Uh, We will point people to believe in the Lord Jesus, and we will equip them with his life-changing word. And when we stay to those fundamentals, we will see the joy of watching people's lives changed. Fellowship Bentonville is, is being launched not to expand the fellowship name, no, but because we believe that a local church is the best way for us to introduce our neighbors and our coworkers to the saving grace of Jesus and then ground men, women, and children in his life-giving word. See, the mission for Fellowship Bentonville is the same as it was for that first Bentonville community group back in 1984. Produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Bentonville, Northwest Arkansas, and the whole world. And this will happen as we exalt Jesus Christ and as we teach his word. And that produces a joy that's contagious. Uh, Look at verse 34. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Hey, Fellowship Bentonville, we are on a joy journey. And if you can handle being happier in life, we're asking you to join us because there's nothing more exciting than being part of the bigger story of God. It gives meaning to daily life at home. It gives meaning to daily life at work, knowing that those are just tools of God for a much bigger story. I want you to think about that little church in Philippi. I mean, we've just seen the way it was birthed. We have Lydia, an Asian family, and we have the jailer, a European, probably Roman family, and they're the first two households that are converts. They make up that first community group. How diverse is that? Asians and Europeans, men, women, blue collar, white collar. This diverse group of followers of Jesus who are unified around the exalting work of Jesus, but also the teaching of his word. And it catches them up into a bigger movement that cannot be stopped. You read about the church in Philippi over and over again through the New Testament. And every time they're talked about, Paul keeps saying, you are the ones who are the most generous to advance the gospel. In my own personal times with the Lord this week, I started the book of Philippians and several times in there, Paul is saying to them, you are so generous for the gospel that you continue to advance its work and participate with the bigger story of God. You see, Philippi is a church that was planted in a strategic place for the gospel. But the Philippian church was also a generous people for the gospel. And guess what? God is bringing diverse people to our city as well. 34 people a day move into our community. 34 new neighbors 
next door. Now, like Lydia, they probably move here for a job relocation and economic opportunities, but that's what they think. No, God knows he's moving them next door to you so that you can introduce them to him. And you just think of all God wants to do in the riversides of our neighborhood and our workplaces. They may buy into that neighborhood because they like the price or that apartment complex because they like the amenities, but the Lord moved them there because a strategic group of believers live there who are gonna love them enough to point them to Jesus. They're gonna land in a work team with you, maybe in a cubicle or an office just down from you. You might even be at that place of work through hard circumstances. Maybe you found yourself downsized or laid off at a a previous company or reorganized into a different team or department. And the pain of that has left you bewildered, but you will find that God will use even that hard circumstance to be the riverside where he wants you to meet the Lydia's of our city. He is using us for a bigger story. See, we believe that, that Bentonville is a strategic place for the gospel. And we believe the people of Fellowship Bentonville can be a generous people for the gospel. And so that means to launch Fellowship Bentonville, we will need to serve bigger than we ever have before. We're going to need to love bigger than we ever have before. And we're going to need to even give bigger than we have before. But, But that doesn't burden us because we know that's nothing more than the pathway to participating in the the bigger story that God is doing among us. And we joyfully join that kind of journey. Generous serving, generous giving is just participation with the gospel. And the gospel we know, we've already seen through this story in Acts. The gospel brings life, the gospel brings hope, and the gospel brings joy. Hey, to make this more practical, I want to ask Beth and Bart and Hunter to come and join. I want to ask them to kind of take us to some very practical ways that they're already seeing the movement of God in a strategic town of Bentonville among a generous people called Fellowship Bentonville for the bigger progress of the gospel. Thanks, guys, for jumping in on this with me. Yeah. So I do want to ask how you're seeing this play out. And this is not just 22 months from now. How you're even seeing this play out, even starting this fall, into some very specific ways of ministry. Could be families, could be small groups, students, men and women. Bart, you're sitting over there right at the end there. So (laughs) let's start with you. What are you seeing, particularly as it plays out into small groups? Yeah, Mark, first, our Bentonville community group leaders are incredible. Even during this season of disruption in 2020, we've seen them embrace our, our fall strategy for small groups, which basically means this, that as we grow smaller, we grow smaller so that we can grow deeper. And not only that, we've had new leaders who've stepped up to say, we want to make space for, we want to make new groups and we want to make space for new people, maybe even like Lydia, who are just moving into our area. Mark, I'm excited about this fall. And truly, I believe this could be one of our greatest falls ever here at Fellowship. Yeah. Beth, you've been seeing something already multiply this summer with women. I can't believe as I watch what God's doing in the lives of women in Bentonville, what is already happening. And last last year, there were many Bible studies, many ladies meeting for Bible studies at the Catalyst Church. 
And as a result of those studies, there are over 14 groups that are going to be meeting on back porches, in circles of six, in backyards, studying the Word of God, praying for each other, encouraging, encouraging each other. And on top of that, there will be over a dozen discipleship groups happening where Ladies will be discipling younger women who hopefully will continue to disciple younger women and other women too. And it is exciting to watch the spiritual growth that's happening. Yeah. And you, I think all of us have seen that even bubbling up through a prayer movement. Oh. Been going on. T- take us on what's even happening this weekend. Well, as you know, for a couple of years, we've been asking families to go to schools or the places of learning around um, Bentonville as um, the year launches, and this year, because of the unique circumstances, we're asking um, people to go on a prayer drive, mm. and we're asking families to get in their vehicles and drive to five different locations, and you can find all the information you would need on fellowshiprogers.org and go to the family resource page, and you'll be praying um, for schools, for our government, Mm -hmm. for neighborhoods, um, and hospitals, churches. And I'm excited about what's going to happen, and it's going to happen today. So please, we encourage you to cover our community in prayer. Bart, I've seen that as well with just even uh, so many of the community leadership team and just the commitment to prayer over the years, not not just recent months, but over the years. And that continues to bubble up and swell. Yeah, we have a a group of people who gather every Thursday morning, in fact, just to meet only to pray. And uh, that's been happening for several years, specifically for Fellowship Bentonville and for the people of our community. That's great. And we'd love to have more people join us on Thursday morning, too. Yeah, Awesome. Hunter. Things fired up already with cell groups. Oh my goodness, yes. So your job's kind of done. Cell groups are long. Yeah, yeah. I, I have nothing to do. Mode. I got nothing to do for the next year. So <laughs> it'll be great. No, so yeah, this past Wednesday, I mean, we uh, we launched cell groups. And I'll tell you, like, FSM doesn't happen without the generosity of, of our body. Because uh, you think, like, Tori and I usually shepherd 12 cell groups uh, in Bentonville. So that's guys and girls, 7th through 12th grade. And now this year, I think we have 40. So what that means is we've gone from 12 host homes to 40 families who said, hey, send young boys or send young girls our way. We've gone from probably about 50 cell group leaders, so that's college students, young adults, and moms and dads, to probably about 75. So that's, you know, you've got 20 uh, young men and women driving up from the U of A every week to say, hey, I want to pour into the next generation because someone did that for me. And Man, I've just seen the generosity everywhere. And, and what I've noticed is that our kids need uh, really two things. They've, they've needed it all through COVID, and it's really showing right now, is that they need truth and connection. And so with TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, like there's tons of information being thrown at them. And I think what they deep down desire is to know truth, what actually is true. And then to be connected. You know, you can, when you're, stuck in your house for so many months with just your parents. Like I'm sure kids love their parents, but they want to be connected with, with uh, you know, other people their age and cell leaders. And so 
our discipleship groups this fall are setting up for those two things to happen. For, you know, two leaders to show up with maybe six or seven kids and say, hey, let's open God's word. And we're going to connect on this and we're going to dive in together. So we've got four baptisms lined up from kids who've actually started walking with Jesus over the last six months in COVID. Like life change is still happening and we can't wait to share those and celebrate those. So, uh, but again, it doesn't happen without the generosity of people. And I'll give you one more layer that has been so helpful. So we talk about cell group leaders pouring into students and kids, but we need help too. Like we need people pouring into us. And so I have a Tuesday morning men's group with Carter Tutt and Ryan Hancock, guys my age. And there are guys named Dick Nervig and Jack C who are taking a year to invest in us. And so there's so many layers on how you can generously give of what God's given to you. And we need every one of them. Gosh, I love that. It even mirrors what we just even saw in the Acts 16 passage, which is the truth of Jesus being exalted. But at the same time, just that connection, that life on life of diverse people coming together around that. And uh, the gospel does go forth. God does what he does best, which is keep moving it forward. Let me pray for us. And fellowship, we do love you and are grateful that you came and jumped into the service today. As we pray, could we pray with a sense of expectation, a sense of faith, but even a sense of just even excitement over what God is doing, believing that he is the Lord and he will continue to advance his gospel through us. So let's pray with that expectation. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you're the king, that you're the head of the church, that you're building your church, and just because you are so good, you're choosing to use us. You used a little town in Philippi to do something big in the region. It touched the world, and the gospel went north in Europe and then across the Atlantic Ocean and landed all the way to Arkansas uh, through the centuries. And now we're going to ask you to do it again. Would you use a little town in Bentonville to take the gospel all over the world? Would you bring people here who need to know you? Would you give us the privilege of introducing them to you? And would you grow us in the joy of joining you on the journey? We love you. We cannot thank you enough for including us in your work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, fellowship. We'll see you next week.